Hello, and welcome to Murder, She Spoke. I'm Kate Lomali, and I'm your host of this podcast. All right, guys. So I can't believe I'm already on episode six. This is crazy. Um, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend this weekend, which I'm super excited about. Um, going away to Golden, BC, um, which will be so, so nice. Um, the weather has been amazing here in Calgary, and it's going to be just as nice as well in BC. I think we're going to get like, a little rain on Saturday, which I'm okay with. Um, but we're having like a really nice autumn so far because here we don't really get one. It's just always so so snowy and cold already. Like this time last year, my mom actually slipped and um, broke her foot. I think I mentioned that in the last ep- episode. Um, so the snow was like that bad. Uh, so I'm glad it's not like that anymore. And we're actually getting a good autumn. Like something good has to come out of 2020. So obviously besides starting this podcast. And I'm also really like, I guess, grateful that... Um, uh, we get to celebrate Thanksgiving, even though we're Irish, um, being Canada, we just kind of like, you know what, we're going to take part in this, because that means turkey three times a year, we get it at Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, so, um, it suits our family down to the ground just fine. Um, yeah, so, like, that's kind of everything that's going on, um, I, again, I'm recording this podcast in advance, so I'm recording basically a week ahead, just so I can get everything out of the way, because, you know family that's coming out and it's just going to be so busy and also my schedule changed this week technically even though it's like next week um so I'm starting to work Monday to Thursday 10 hour shifts um so I'll be using Fridays and the weekend to like record all my episodes so because we are going to be going away um this coming weekend I wanted to record my episodes prior um, so that they were ready for like the next week. So that's kind of like what I've been doing. Um, yeah, like everything's been going good. Um, again, uh, please send me any of your scary stories that you have or even if you have like a funny one that you know you thought was scary but actually wasn't scary, um, please send those in. I want to hear all about them. And uh, yeah, again, thanks so much for people who are sending them in. I really, really appreciate it. I have a really good one at the end of this today with like one of my client, or sorry, one of my coworkers. Um, she's letting me talk about it, so it's gonna be so good. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I guess we should just like jump right into it. I don't really have anything else to talk about um, besides I'm still watching the same shows. Uh, there is a second season of Fargo that's come out, which I'm dying to watch. Um, and then I'm just waiting to watch some of the Halloween movies. There's that new one that's actually technically going to be coming out today, um, that when the release this podcast and it's one with, um, Adam Sandler and it's coming out on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. So that looks really good. And I can't wait to watch that at the cabin. I think that'll be really fun. Um, and yeah, so anyways, um, I guess that's it and uh let's just get right to it guys happy listening okay so um in today's episode we are going to be talking about bj Lisky, the halloween butcher so where i found this i literally was just looking up like murders that happened around halloween and of course like they all came up with it being in like the states and stuff um but this one I found and it kind of captured my eye like straight away um, 
just the headlines and everything like that now there's not a lot on it on the internet like it, i had to do like, a lot of digging in order to find it and grabbing bits and pieces from different people's um just news articles uh so that was kind of tricky for sure like trying to find like you know different information and everything on that but um this one is horribly messed up and um it did take place on halloween so uh let's get right into it so on october 31st uh 2010 a killer would strike the family that lived at 7052 in north ohio so already this is kind of like a small town it's not too big um not much going on there pretty small pretty quaint but unfortunately on the morning of october 31st a heroic accident happened well, not even an accident it was a murder um so Devin 16 have returned home from Sunday morning church service to find the house quiet. So he's like coming home. He's actually in the, um, I guess in the church choir and he'd been like singing there and stuff. And um, he, that whole weekend he had been at his uh, biological father's house. So he went upstairs to his bedroom and started playing video games. So it wouldn't be until about 1.30 that afternoon that he noticed just how quiet the house was. So He's playing video games and he's sitting there and he's like, all right, like, it's pretty quiet. I would be super suspicious the second I walked in and if, like, my parents' cars were parked in the driveway and the house was absolutely dead quiet. Maybe it's because we're Irish and maybe it's because we literally don't know when to shut up and everything is so loud and so obnoxious constantly. But uh, I would be really suspicious straight away. The second I come in the door, I'm always like, hello, or I see like who's at home or whatever. Or if I see the cars in the driveway and like when I go inside the house, I'm like, okay, they must be outside in the back garden. I always look in the back garden because I'm just curious. I just want to know like what's been going on, what everyone else has been doing. So um, the fact he just went up to his room and tried playing video games. So anyways, it wouldn't be until about 1.30 that afternoon that he noticed just how quiet the house was. So he went downstairs and he started to look for his mother, Susan Liskey. So that's his biological mother. And he found her and his stepfather, Bill Liskey, in their master bedroom, still in bed. Um, so there was like a maroon comforter pulled up high over their heads. So he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to go wander over. And he started talking to his mom as he walked around the bed to over on her side and he tapped her on the shoulder and she noticed that his uh her leg was like hanging out of the cover and they pulled the comforter down to try and you know wake her a little bit but that's when he noticed the blood splattered all over the pillow um which i can't even imagine what goes through your head straight away but unfortunately for Devin, the first thing that went through his mind was that his mom was pulling like a halloween prank on him um but as the scene before him came into like focus he knew that they're like this is not a prank and this is real life like it like oh how, could you just i i'm like lost for words in that sense of like you come home your house is quiet and you go to find your mom and dad and they're like in their bed tucked up and you're like oh well here we go i'll just they're playing some sort of prank on me and i can see why he thought that especially with it being October 31st and then next thing he pulls the covers off and he realizes his parents are both dead well sorry his mom and his stepdad are both dead so he ran out of the house before looking for his brother Derek Griffin 23 not knowing what had happened and if he had been in danger by staying in the house so what exactly happened to the family um 
As a lot of murders, it's more complicated than just saying that BJ Liskey, 24, killed his stepmother, father, and stepmother. Um, so BJ Liskey is stepbrothers to Devin. And, um, you know, he himself like had a bit of a, a troubled past. So we're going to see about that now. So we're going to go into the story of um, why the stepbrother BJ killed this whole entire family, basically, in one morning um the official police records uh on bj started in early 2002 while bj 16 was on house arrest the first time that bill had to call the police to come to their home was not good at all bj had been threatening to harm himself and his father had no idea how to stop him when police arrived bj attacked them so bj is already a troubled young kid um or teenager sorry and so this relationship between like the parents and everything like that obviously isn't going well and so by 2004 bj had started escalating from threatening to harm himself to attacking other people in october he got in a fight with his stepmother susan hitting her so his stepmother was actually in the shower when he attacked her and he like punched her in the chest um there wasn't much more into that but like what the actual fuck like that is so so terrible like like what on earth is he thinking so two months later he was charged with criminal assault and robbery for hitting susan and stealing her car keys so he was found incompetent to stand trial on those charges which were later dropped trying to get bj the help he needed his family moved him to a group home in sandusky where he would get mental health treatment uh, but it didn't seem to be working as BJ was involved in several fights with his father when he went to pick him up and others in the facility, resulting in the police being called three times. So this is obviously like a very, very bad relationship between the father and the dad. Um, unfortunately, the dad is, doesn't have much choice. He's trying his hardest probably. And, you know, this is just a troubled guy who isn't wanting help from anyone. And it's really hard in those situations when you're, there's someone that it's like that and you're trying your absolute best to show them that you care and you're trying to do something good for them and they just don't want to hear a single thing about it it's so emotionally draining and it's very very hard on family relationships when there is someone who's like very destructive in your home um so um at the time the killings of the killings bj was 18 and was was no longer living at home because his father had kicked him out when like bj had attacked his stepmother susan um that attack landed uh, bj to stay in hospital where he was received he received um treatment for being a schizophrenic and also bipolar personality which again is so sad and such a young person at such a young age like I wonder like what his upbringing was life in his early life as as I said before there wasn't a lot on this case to be looking at so BJ's father still kept trying to keep his son and his life and out of trouble which is like so sweet that he even though his son is like basically messing up this new man's marriage um he's still trying really hard because he obviously cares and loves his son so Bill visited his son often in the halfway house he was currently living in the week before the murders, Bill took a vacation time, sir, he took vacation time from work so him and BJ could go deer hunting together. So he's really trying to make one-on-one -on -one time between the two of them. Um, so he takes them out and they go hunting. 
Um, they've gone to the like the hunting cabin that they usually go to, only returning less than 24 hours before BJ would kill his father. So, you know, already it's just escalated within those 24 hours of just coming back from a nice trip. And you'd think if anything, it's like, okay, like I can see like my dad's really trying to make this effort. Nope. Instead, it flips a switch in him. So family friends have actually talked to Bill often about his family's safety with BJ around. So neighbors and family friends and everything were really concerned about the relationship between um, BJ and the rest of the family because as you could see, he was like quite aggressive and he just had a very, very dark, dark demeanor about him. And I think that's like a huge red flag when other people who aren't living in your household are like, "Mm, you should be very careful about you know maybe leaving guns around or like knives or setting an alarm in your house so so and so can't get in and the fact that they're telling you that about your own son I think is a huge red flag because um I remember I used this description to like one of my really good friends recently and basically saying that sometimes when you're so close up into a picture you don't see what else is happening around it so picture yourself and you're looking at this huge huge picture and then you're so close to it that you only see like those two little parts of the picture and you can't see everything else that's like surrounding it so once you step back you start to see a lot more but once you're up close constantly you can't see what else is surrounding you and what's in the rest of the picture and that happens a lot especially too in relationships when you know people from the outside are telling you like what's going on and you can't see that because you're so wound up in your own world of what is happening so that's kind of like what's happening here with his dad he doesn't really see the bigger picture as in he doesn't really see like the danger that he could be potentially playing the rest of his family in, which unfortunately did happen not to say it's the father's fault at all but you know when someone else tells you that it's kind of a big red flag so um Neighbors also believe that BJ, um, it was BJ who had killed and tortured their pets over the years, even though they had never caught him or had any proof that he did it. Which, I mean, if this guy from a very young age, and he's only 16 at the time, is, or sorry, he's not 16, sorry, he's 24. Um, but even still, at a younger age, he was doing these things. Um, that let alone if it's true, it's fucking terrifying. Anyone who hurts animals can hurt humans. And I say this all the time. If you can go and you can hurt a defenseless animal, like a little kitten or a puppy, you are fucked in the head. There is no rhyme or reason why you should do that at all. These are defenseless little animals and you're going out there and you're attacking them. And that to me is just like, a huge huge red flag whatever about like hunting and stuff like that but um that to me is like a little bit different unless you're in, like not trophy hunting and just killing for fun um but anyway so um we're going to talk about like the family's last movement so bill and his son bj got back saturday evening from their hunting trip where they gathered with neighbors and they had a few beers um bill didn't want to drive bj back to the halfway house after drinking so bj was spent the night and investigators actually found that to be true as there was like a little bit of like a bed made up on the on the couch for him so he'd been crashing on the couch like that night and um you know he told the truth about that so um that was one thing i guess it was okay 
So a neighbor heard gunshots around 6.30 a.m. the morning of October 31st. This would be consistent with the time of death for Bill and Susan. So that alone is terrifying. Like I live in um, the southeast of Calgary and our neighbors are pretty close together. I couldn't imagine waking up to the sound of gunshots or screams. Like that would just be so, so terrifying. And I actually remember Sidebar down in Chaparral Valley in the neighborhood um there was a woman who was murdered by i believe it was her ex-husband and they were actually in um oh what are they called like joint houses oh the words the words left me everyone's probably screaming it right now um anyways the houses are basically connected and she was actually found dead in the middle of the road in chaparral valley which is just like half hour walk down the road and I I remember when that came on the news I could not believe that and how neighbors woke up to the sound of her screaming and them arguing and that to me is just so so scary and they actually also harmed the woman that was living with her at the time and I can't remember they had a relationship but I'm definitely gonna look into that and try and do it on one of my episodes if there's enough information so that got the neighbor heard those gunshots that morning and that would be Bill and Susan being shot. So Derek was last heard from around 2 p.m. on October 30th. Based on several factors, it was determined that Derek was killed before Bill and his mother. So Derek is the other brother that was in that house. So when Devin returned home after spending the weekend with his dad at 9.30 a.m. on October 31st, he only stayed long enough to change his shirt, then left for church. At the time, he only encountered his stepbrother BJ in the house, but he was only there for around five minutes. Both their conversation, but they're sorry, but their conversation seemed odd to Devin. BJ asked where he was going and how long he would be, be how long he would be, and where he was gonna go, and um, would he be long? He's just like asking all these questions, and Devin thought it was very uncrest uncharacteristic of bj um like just seemed to care because he had such a gloomy dark persona about him so investigators would learn that this is when they spoke with devon after the murders so quote devon said that he couldn't think of anything else that was said but stated that bj was acting happier end quote and then sorry quote again to explain devon stated that normally bj is gloomy I asked Devin what made him think that BJ was acting happier. Devin stated that it was because he was happier, more upbeat, and more talkative. Devin stated that BJ is normally slow and darkish, end quote. So this guy is obviously, I mean, if he's already being diagnosed with schizophrenia, like it's just, as schizophrenic, it's very, very hard. And of course, bipolar. But if he just has that dark demeanor around him already, um... Like, it's, it's quite hard to believe that, you know, it's that he was happier. And I feel like someone would pick up on that very, very easily if their persona is always so just meh and, like, dragging their heels and stuff. And they don't have a pep in their step. And you, you can't notice those. You can't notice those people that are like that, especially even if, like, in work... Some of my coworkers come in if they're t- if like they're quiet and like they're not themselves and they're not like carrying conversation. I always ask them I'm like, oh, is everything okay? Are you tired today? And um, I usually use like, oh, are you tired today? Because I know that's kind of like a good like leeway to go in because I I want to always make sure that people are okay and I think it's important that we talk because 
especially working in an all-female environment, it can be quite hard if someone's mood is off because you you want things to run smoothly and you want people to be happy and not everyone's always going to be happy all the time but I think it's good to reach out to your coworkers and you know make sure that they're okay so anyways after Devin left the house BJ left the family's Ford F-150 and drove to the hunting cabin he stopped along the way and bought himself a subway sandwich so he's just like you know what fuck it I'm hungry I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna get myself a little sammy Maybe I'll have some chips with it and a Coke. Like, I always laugh at those scenarios. And I've heard it before in lots of different murder stories about when someone has just murdered someone and they just destroyed a human being. And they're like, well, I have a bit of a girl on now. I'm going to go get myself a little something, something. Um, <laughs> like, just move on as if nothing has happened at all. I'm like, that is fucking so scary that people can just move on and go and the fact that he didn't even have any blood on him I think is crazy so unless he probably changed his clothes I'm guessing so um the scene Devin escaped from was considered grisly even to experience by law enforcement so like the law enforcement were just like it was horrible and that's where like the Halloween butcher came in because he didn't really butcher them like he shot them but still it was so grisly and gruesome um, after getting out, he called his auntie and tried to tell her what he had found. She came to try and calm him down and the authority, she, they have to like call the authorities for help, which I don't understand like why, maybe the thing is like, sometimes you got to think about these things of like, when you're in shock like that, you don't know what to do. You're like, do I call the police? Am I seeing things? Like, is this normal? Do I call family? In the moment, I'm like, oh my God, I would call the cops immediately. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. But you never actually know. When your body goes into shock, you you literally take things so differently. and You, it take, you take it in your strides so much differently than you think in the moment. And even too, like, that's the whole thing of, like, um, people who who have been charged with, like, murders before. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, he didn't really seem to be grieving. And then it turns out they're guilty. And it's just how they grieve. But then there is, like, psychopaths out there who just pretend they're grieving, like the staircase murder. Um, If you haven't looked that up, please watch the documentary on Netflix. And, oh, I just, it's painful to watch that guy. I forget his name. I feel like his name is Michael. And uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. He literally is a fucking swine i hate him the way he acts is like oh my wife i miss her i can't believe it's happening and then next thing he's like acting all weird and he's like oh my little kids like are you okay and he's just like so creepy and eerie like literally he gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies he's that fucked up that he scares me like he's just you gotta watch it and if you have watched it let's talk about it because I could talk about how much of a creep that guy is. Like, he's just such a fucking knob. Anyways. Um, so both Bill and Lisky, <laughs> both Bill and Susan Lisky were in their bed and they had been shot to death. Bill was shot five times in the head and in the face, um, which is totally intentional. And that is a very personal killing. Like, you are furious at this person. Like, that is... For sure, like, okay, not one time I'm going to shoot you. This is like, I want you dead and I want you out of my life. 
Um, he was most likely shot first since his body was found in a natural sleeping position. And then for Susan, she was shot, shot three times. Her body looked like she had been awakened by the shots of her husband and tried to flee, which I always find that so fascinating. Like, that's how they can tell that. I mean, it, it makes sense, but it still is like, oh, like I love how forensics can like go and they can be like, okay, this person was shot and you know, they were trying to get away and blah, 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 blah. Or they woke up and their body was like startled and they can tell that all just from like the crime scene and i just find that stuff so so fascinating and that, that was the same thing with the amenable horror um that murder um which i would also love to do in an episode maybe i'll do that for one of my halloween episodes um like that is so fucked up and to like the, the way like the forensics are trying to figure it out of like who was shot first based off the gunshots is crazy so um uh, where was I? Sorry. She was shot in close range and it was um, thought that she'd been shot by like a small caliber gun, most likely a twenty two. Again, I'm not too sure like what guns are, but I always hear that and I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Whatever the beginning was, it could be a BB gun for all I know. Um, it was unclear if Susan was sexually assaulted before or after she had been shot. Um, it could answer why her body appeared to be half moved after the death, which is so fucking disgusting. Like you creep, like already he's gone into the shower and he's tried to like, well, he attacked her in the shower. Like that is just so messed up. Like get the fuck out of here, dude. So searching the house further, they made their way upstairs to Derek's bedroom. And this part actually is kind of sad because, um, Devin had no idea that Derek was in the room because the bedroom door was closed and like you know he already like left because his parents were so quiet he didn't even think to go and check her room or his room um the door was locked and with no answer from inside they had to kick down the door so I'm guessing like he found a way to like lock the bedroom door from the outside or inside and then leave um so Derek was found curled up in the bed facing the wall with severe blunt uh force trauma to his head he'd been struck multiple times but the coroner said he most likely died from the first blow. Like, thank God. You would hope that it wasn't a pain, um, slow death for him. So a bloody claw hammer would be found in the house that was proved to be consistent with Derek's wounds. So creepy. So police swarmed the family cabin and apprehended BJ arresting and charging him with aggravated murder on each death during the trial he spoke emotionless i love my dad very much and it made me feel sick every time i think about what i did i can't really explain why this all had to happen but i think most of all it had to do with my mental illness end quote i know mental illness is not a joke at all i'm a mental mental illness advocate like i strongly believe people should go to therapy and you should look after your mental thoughts and illnesses just as much as you should when you go to the doctor about your back pain or your cold or the chiropractor or your massage therapist I strongly believe that but I'm sorry you knew what you were doing and it is just so upsetting to me like that now he's being like oh well I'm so sad that I did it yes he's probably grieving but at the same time he's he did it you know it's it's very very difficult like to for me to sympathize sometimes with these people um but anyways bj had entered guilty pleas for three counts of aggravated murder and was sentenced to life in prison without pos- possibility of parole unfortunately bj would take his own life in 2015 behind bars at the age of 29 
So that is the story of the Halloween butcher. Um, it's very sad, unfortunate that they are, and he did commit suicide. He clearly was m- very mentally unstable. And, you know, I personally don't know, like, a lot about, you know, schizophrenics and, you know, bipolar. It, it does run in, like, my family, and um, it's it's hard, you know. It's, it's a very, very hard thing, and to see one person so, so happy, um, and it depends. Like, there is different cases, but I know um like most of the time the majority they could be like on such a high and be loving life and like literally a split second something just switches in their head and they are so sad and they go into a manic state and it's very very hard and it's so hard on families and you know I think again like um it, it is very important to take care of your mental health and I personally, I go to therapy. I only started going probably about like a year ago. And, you know, during COVID, I couldn't really go because I wasn't working. And I was just on um, EI, like employment insurance. So it was kind of hard during that time. But I felt like my mental health was okay. Like, lucky enough, I had like my family and stuff. And I was keeping myself busy. And I was running and exercising and keeping, just like doing stuff. Like, I found like my time during COVID went by really fast. Whereas there's other people who are like living by themselves in that time and it must have been so so hard um but I'm glad that like most people like my therapist was doing like over the phone or you could do like a video chat with him and um I do think it's very important because we don't always know what's going on inside our heads and it's hard for us to like figure it out and um you know struggle with it like it's okay that you don't understand what's going on inside your head and it's okay that you feel emotional sometimes and it feels okay that you know the world can be crashing down on you or you have anxiety like know that it's okay and know that there's other people out there that suffer the same way and I honestly did not think that like for me personally I didn't think that I had anxiety or you know um was like I guess like have like so much self-doubt myself like I had no idea I thought I was like a super outgoing person that you know nothing could take me down but as I started talking to my therapist not that he was saying oh you have this he was like oh like you know when these certain scenarios happen like do you feel any like thing in your body like a certain feeling and I'm like oh yeah like sometimes my stomach feels like something sometimes I feel like I'm gonna shit myself I'm so nervous I'm like just stuff like that and then I'm like slowly like oh fuck I was like geez maybe I am like a super anxious person and there's nothing wrong with that I'm like I'm not gonna be like oh yeah I'm anxious I have anxiety like I do have those things but it's not gonna like rule my life at the same time and it's all about like working on yourself and um another thing too that I recommend like anyone who ever is struggling with something is journaling and I don't mean like oh and today I had like a cup of coffee and then my boyfriend he came to visit me at lunch like no I'm not talking about that I'm talking about today this fucking made me feel like this and it it made me feel like shit or I was really really anxious and I felt like I wanted to just crawl up into a tiny little ball and ball my eyes out it's okay to feel those things and you gotta write them down sometimes because I don't know if you're anything like me but there's a million thoughts to go through my head at a second and I if I had to tell poor Chris every single one of those things I would drive him do lally so the reason why I say like um I'm sorry I'm not saying that I can't talk to Chris he's an amazing person I trust him with my whole life but sometimes it's just easier if you put them down on paper and 
you just get them out of your head. Burn that piece of paper if you want, or you can keep it and you can look back on it. And another thing I do as well is I try and write down, like I have another journal as well that I've started using. And um, it's just basically like happy memories that have like popped into my head like throughout the day, which is quite frequent actually. And then I'll like write those down. And then one day I'll like read through that book and I'll be like, oh my God, I forgot about this memory. This is so nice. And it kind of perks you up or it could be like a really, really funny memory. Um, and I try and keep that like super positive. But anyways, moving on. Um, yeah. Get a therapist. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and I think people if you go to a therapist, then you literally have to be crawling the walls like a literal maniac. No, you don't. You could literally just be like, I'm sad today and I want to talk to someone. Go talk to someone. Who cares? Do it for you. Nobody has to know about it. So yeah, that's that story. Anyways, I'm going to move on here really quick to my coworker's story. Her name's Ashley. She is a brow specialist at my work and she's absolutely amazing. She actually trained me on like a lot of the stuff as well. She's a really cool girl. She's from um, out east in Canada and um, yeah, she's just an awesome chick. So I'm going to tell a story about how her um, great granddad, I believe, um, or sorry, just her granddad um, sent her a message about how her husband or sorry, her ex-boyfriend was cheating on her and how she found out about that. So basically what had happened was Ashley and her, um, I keep saying husband. Oh my God. (laughs) Ashley and her, um, uh, now ex-boyfriend were kind of in the middle of like splitting up. I'm like, they still live together and you know, things were getting really rough and it was kind of hard. And like Ashley was saying that it wasn't really fun. Like, you know, when they're still living together and they know they're going to be splitting up, but that's going to be super tough. So anyways, um, he had to go down to Texas for like work. And the one night, um, Ashley's on the computer and she's just going through like Pinterest. It's like 10 PM and all these messages start popping up as she's like on Pinterest. So she's on like her Apple computer and there's all these like iMessages that are just coming up, coming up, coming up. And they're all different girls. So one of them was that they were going to like hook up that night and he couldn't wait for it. And there was multiple other girls. And then one of them was from Calgary and he was going on about he, how he missed fucking her and all this shit. And she's reading all this. Like, she's just like, this is blowing up like right in her face. So immediately like Ashley gets up her phone and, um, she's trying to call him. She's trying to contact him. And he's just like, Oh, I'm sleeping. And he's like, Ashley's like who the fuck are you talking to like who are these chicks and he then of course like catches his attention and um Ashley starts reading him all these messages that are coming in on real time by the way like this is literally popping up there's conversations popping up as Ashley is on her Mac computer so he asks like how on earth he's getting she's getting those messages and um she's like they're literally popping up on the computer like you you synced your phone this is iCloud like this is what's happening and he's losing his absolute shit at her like he is calling her all sorts of names he's calling her a spy he's saying that you're reading my private property all this shit and Ashley's like uh no uh one thing I love about Ashley is there's absolutely no bullshit and she's had to work really hard to do that and that's what I love about her she's so open about all that stuff and she gives me the best advice ever so shout out to Ashley for that um anyway so 
he's losing his mind. He's like, I don't even know how to do that. He's like, I don't even know how to connect my phone to the computer and like iCloud. He's like, I actually have no idea how to do that. And Ashley's like, well, you did do it. So it's on there. So come on, buddy. So anyways, about a month later, after all that happened, after she like packed up all this stuff like that night, she was like, see you later, boy. Bye. So Ash goes to see um, a... Oh my god, a psychic. Sorry, I must have forgot the name. And immediately when she gets there, the psychic knows that there's something up. And um the psychic's like, Oh, like um you have two spirits and um one of them being her papa Archie. And um basically that he watches Ashley the closest and he cares a lot about her and um then the 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 psychic goes she's like oh and um you saw something on your phone last night that kind of or a few months a few weeks ago that you know kind of disrupted you and it's kind of like blowing up in your face a little bit and it was like pretty late at night and um Archie wants to say that he's pretty he's really really sorry um that he's the one who did that and he didn't want that guy to hurt you and he needed you to find out before you did get hurt by him um and Ashley's like bawling crying while this is happening like she cannot believe it because her ex is like I don't even know how I did that so this was all through her granddad Archie which is just insane that's why I wanted to tell this story it's like one of like my spooky stories because it's not really spooky but I'm like there is shit that happens out there there is spirits out there and this story is just insane so Ashley's bawling crying and you know um she's saying that like Archie is like really sorry that he had to like do that to you and he knows that it's like a lot of pain but Ashley was telling me when she was telling the story she's like the second I heard that that was the clarity that I needed there wasn't a second thought that went through her head she's like I don't regret doing a single thing I don't regret one bit of it and you know it was kind of meant to be that it came that way and um anyway so Archie or sorry Ashley was actually supposed to be turning like 30 that year so she was 29 at the time and the um, psychic was like oh uh, so you had a big birthday and um, Archie just wants to wish you like a happy birthday and Ashley was like oh like it's not my birthday yet but it's, it's going to be like my 30th birthday and I just thought that alone was like so special like and um, Archie had actually passed away before Ashley was born so um, that alone I think is just if I heard anything like that, you know, with like my granny contacting me or like one of my grand, like my granddad who had passed away before I was born, I would lose my life. I would be in hysterics. I'd be so happy, but so sad. And of course, like Ashley straight away, she went to like go tell her mom and um, her mom was sad or like, I guess like happy, but like crying. She cannot believe it because like Ashley's mom was like quite a spiritual person in that sense as well quite in touch and in tune with her spirituality but I just thought that was a really cool story and I love telling people that story about like my coworker Ashley because I think that is just karma karma in its finest you know it, it took like a little ghost or a little spirit to come and be like nah that you don't deserve this boy at all and um yeah I just love that she um she like got to tell me that um, story and then one more that I really want to tell you really quick here um, was one that uh, one of Chris's friends girlfriends had sent me and kind of like along like the same line like not terrifying but still kind of like in that spirit kind of way so anyways um, this is 
um, Brie who sent me this message. So um, when my auntie woke up from a coma and came off life support, she explained that she had saw my uncle who had recently passed away. Rewind a few weeks later, my grandma was trying to show me pictures from the funeral, part of our religion. She put in, um, I don't know what to call it, quotes. Um, and there was a photo where her uncle Gobbins casket I guess that's his name was open and you can see him and that was the only photo that wouldn't load or open so once her auntie had like woke up from this coma she went over to her grandma's house and she was like oh like I'll try and open it and it opened for her so it was like she had seen him in her you know I guess dream or whatever you have when you're in a coma and all of a sudden you know the grandma in the middle of all this is like oh like I want to show like she's trying to show like her granddaughter Brie like this like photo of him and then it's not working it's not loading it it won't open it refuses to open and then auntie comes out of a coma and you know she wants to look through these photos and it opens just for her um I find that kind of cool um I love those stories so again if you have any that are any like in any way shape or form like that please send them in like they're so so good like even I have one like after my granny Bridgie when she passed away um we had just came home from Ireland after the funeral and my mom and dad have this huge mirror in their room and it's up kind of in a corner and this thing is so heavy like I couldn't lift it by myself it's that heavy and um kind of between the frame and the mirror of um the mirror uh my mom had a picture of my granny and my granddad in kind of wedged in between the frame and so that or sorry no oh my god I'm getting so mixed up um the picture was up off like a, a shelf off to the side and the mirror was just there and like it's kind of close to where like the shelf is so when we came home the mirror actually had toppled on to like my parents bedpost and right underneath the mirror was the picture of my granddad and my granny now, I remember us just thinking that was the strangest thing because then the windows were open. It was actually in October when my granny passed away and it was just so, so crazy. And I remember actually getting goosebumps. I was so freaked out because at my granny's funeral, there were so many like different things. So I have a crazy fear of wasps and in Ireland, you know, October is a shitty time of year. It's rainy, it's gloomy, it's horrible. And the night that she had passed away, lucky enough, all the cousins got to come together and we were sitting in my granny's bedroom and we were all singing songs, um, just songs that she would like and stuff like that. And next thing, a wasp is flying around the room. First of all, it's nighttime. Second of all, it's basically winter there. And this wasp is flying around the room and I'm freaking out. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, granny, like, what are you doing? And like, we're all kind of like joking and laughing. We're like, what the hell is going on here? So we're all just telling like nice stories and stuff like that. And it was a really, really good time. And then uh, the day of her funeral, we're all standing around as she's being buried. And there's like a little drizzle, like it wasn't really raining. And I got this amazing video. Um, so in Ireland, we do these things called sessions where you go and you bring your fiddle and whatever instrument you have. I played fiddle. So this one guy, he was um, a professional whistler. So he, or competitive whistler, I guess you could kind of say. And while he's whistling while my granny's being buried, and this video is just insane. Like, I love it. And it gives me chills every time I watch it. There's like these beams bouncing above like my granny's grave. 
and there's a rainbow in the background and it's just so eerie but so nice at the same time but there's like a wasp flying around and I remember that was just like such a crazy experience I was like is this granny like is she just trying to be like no get over your fear of wasp you little bitch like don't be such a scaredy cat (laughs) um but uh yeah it was just so mad and then literally the day she was in or the night she was in the um in the church after her like ceremony or whatever this little baby ginger kitten comes into the church and it starts like going in between like the priest's feet and like everyone's kind of giggling at it we're like what the heck and then there's all these flowers around like my granny's casket and this little kitten's playing within the flowers and actually right before I wasn't I'm not sure if it was right before when granny died or maybe like a few weeks or months beforehand but my mum had actually bought my granny Bridgie a cat and it was called Ginger and it was white and ginger and it wasn't that in the house it was just like a farm cat and it would always just sit on top of the windowsill and just meow all the time and Ginger went missing so literally as granny is in the church and the priest is trying to get along with his I don't know what his whole spiel um this cat is playing on my granny's who was a spitting image of ginger when ginger was a kitten playing on my granny's um casket and it was just the craziest thing ever and like we're trying not to laugh because of course it's granny's funeral we're trying to be respectful but at the same time of like of course this would happen and like the thing is like my cousins and i like once we get in the fit of the giggles it's just game over like i'll never forget the time there was bats in that church and they were swooping down and me and my cousin james malley were just in stitches laughing and my granny I thought she was gonna kill me she was fuming with me because she cannot stand when people are talking in mass and she could not stand when people were laughing I remember there was these two farmer buckos who would always sit I think it was right um on the same row as granny or just in front to the left of her and you would always hear them going on about like their cattle and their cows and they all buy jizz oh yes I got a fine old calf today oh jizz and the sheep nose in the grass awful green these days and they'd just be carrying on about like their farm life and it would drive my granny nuts but she'd never say anything she's probably just scowling at them but um anyways I love my granny Bridgie she's an amazing person but um yeah so that was just like a story I wanted to add on to that because I thought that was pretty cool um I always feel like she's with me she's an amazing person and she's always missed but yeah um I think that's it for today anyways I thought I'd kind of ended on like a lighthearted note about those farmers. <laughs> um, I have so many stories just alone about my granny's funeral that are just so fantastic, which I think is mad because usually funerals are so sad. But I, ha- it was like one of the best trips I ever had going to Ireland. So even though we're there for five days and for a very, I mean, sad cause, but there you go. Um, that is the end of episode six. I'm really crushing through these. Um, Everyone keeps asking me, are you going to run out of murders? I'm like, no, because there will be a psychopath every single day murdering someone. So I doubt I will ever run out of murders or stories to tell because I love a good story. So please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, share it all over the world. I don't care. Um, And let me hear your stories. I want to hear anything that you have that's cool um, that you think would be worth sharing on the podcast. Um... Yeah, anyways, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Thanks so much for the support. Uh, Have a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. And anyone who's not living in Canada, have a good weekend anyways. I hope the weather's nice wherever you are. And uh, yeah, keep smiling and uh, bye-bye.